Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide podcast live. I hope wherever you're watching and tuning in from that you are doing well today, staying safe and doing something awesome, hopefully on this lovely Wednesday afternoon. And for some of you all evening (laughs) or even morning, please let us know where you're watching and listening from, whether it be internationally or domestically. We'll show you some love. Today, I have a really special guest, um, someone who is a pioneer to a degree and a leader in the design industry um, and someone that I've actually followed his work for quite some time. Eli Woolery is an author, speaker, and designer with a depth of experience in product user interface and user experience design. Since 2013, he's co-taught implementation, which is a two-quarter capstone class for senior undergraduate product design students at Stanford, the Stanford University. Eli is also the design stories director at Envision, where he writes, speaks, and runs workshops to help large enterprises adopt better design practices because a lot of design (laughs) at a lot of large enterprises suck. He's also the co-host, along with Aaron Walter, who's awesome as well, of the Design Better podcast podcast, which was nominated for Webby in 2020, the Design Thinking Handbook, which he wrote for Envision and is used in the curriculum at UC Berkeley's Jacobs Institute of Design. So as you can tell, he's all about good design, as well as USC's Graduate School of Business. Also, fun fact, right now he's working on his first novel for young readers, and I'll share a link to that in the comments so some of you with kids can check it out. I'm really excited to talk to him because we're going to talk about probably one of our favorite subjects, design, and also kind of how does it apply to your career, too, So, uh, and a little bit about his background and how he started in design. So with that, with that said, let me bring on Eli to the show. Hey, man. Hey, Tim. Well, thanks. I don't think I've ever had such a kind introduction, so I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I try to do my best. I try to do my best when I do these lives. How are you doing, man? How are you hanging in there with everything going on in the world? Um, You know, I'm doing okay. It's it's a hard time, and I'm sure harder for a lot of other people out there than me. Um, But, you know, being empathetic, being a designer, I'm just feeling a lot of empathy for the folks that are, you know, experiencing various degrees of tragedy right now so yeah yeah i think that's the first message to go out it's just uh you know i hope you're all doing okay and and you know keep keep going because it's yeah it's tough time yeah it's it's i i have been i have been I have been feeling it, you know, even similar to you, it's just all you can do is give empathy in times mm-hmm. like this when so many people are fighting a battle that's exists for so long and, you know, do your part in building and, and being a part of the solution. I want you to share a little bit more about, you know, how you got started in your career in design, because, you know, you and I have talked before and mm-hmm. you have a pretty dynamic career. And before <laughs> you get started, I want to show love to Justin, who's tuning in. Thank you so much, Justin, for tuning in. And Payal, as well as Punita, who are tuning in from all over the world right now. Please, if you have any question for the amazing Eli Hulery, please have them. Anything you want to know, ask them, and I'll address them as we talk. So, yeah, how did you get started in design, Eli? Um, it was a little bit of a roundabout thing, and and thanks for calling it dynamic. Some people would call it having a short attention span. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but. Um, when I was a kid, I, I used to love to draw and make things and build Legos, take things apart. And um, when when I was thinking about colleges, I actually wanted to go to art school. So I thought I wanted to be an artist. 
Um, my parents, um, my mom especially, being a bit of the uh, stereotypical Jewish mother, uh, was pushing me a little bit more towards uh, maybe a practical career, like engineering. And so I, I ended up getting into Stanford, and I was kind of looking at the majors. And the only engineering major that that had a focus on art as well as product design. And so it was this kind of unique thing where it's a mechanical engineering major, but you also take a lot of studio design and art classes. Like, well, I can suffer through the engineering side of this if I can take a bunch of art classes, I think. So, so <laughs> I, I ended up going to that program. Um, and it was wonderful. At the time, it was even more closely connected to the art department and, and especially through one professor in particular, Matt Kahn, who, um, who had actually taught there for basically the half of the university history for 60 years uh, by the end, by the time he retired. And he really drove this really wonderful um, kind of collaboration between um, the more engineering side of design and then the more artistic kind of studio based side of design, which was as far as I know, kind of unique at the time anyway. Um, and I, and you know, through that, I found a couple of things. One that I, I really did like, um, the, the parts of engineering that allowed me to build things, the, the things that were around manufacturing and uh, 3D modeling and that type of thing, I actually really did like that. And then the, I could also found that I could kind of bring an artistic side into that to some degree, an artistic creative mm. side. So um, so when I left university, um, I actually struggled to find a job at first. It took me uh, a little while to find a product design job. And I ended up being an intern at... Um, in a, a biological research station in Bermuda, which is totally random, wow. but it was the kind of the first thing, <laughs> thing that I could find. <laughs> and I got, That's I got super random, man. Yeah, totally <laughs> random. Um, I lived there for about a year and I got really into diving and research diving and, and, and kind of when I was a kid, when I was even younger than when I was thinking about doing art, I, I loved marine biology. So it kind of, it kind of resonated with my, my marine biology desires as a little kid to learn more about that. And then I thought, wow, this is this is cool. How can I kind of combine that interest with product design? And I found a, a company in uh, in the area where I live now, actually in the Monterey area, that does underwater photography equipment and lighting equipment. And I was like, well, that'd be a great way to do that. So I ended up interning there for a little bit, and then getting hired on. And and for me, the, that company is called Light in Motion. And for me, that was um, I tell, always tell my students that was like a master's degree in design engineering and manufacturing wow. because we built everything in-house actually because i have I have a little prop here give me a second yeah yeah, yeah. let's see it <laughs> we love props this is gonna be like the first prop so, um, of the show <laughs> i had the phones off so just because i had um uh a uh i was talking to my to my daughter's class about this these are the kind of things that i used to build and design um wow. these housings for uh for underwater photography and uh so i i I got really into that. You know, we we're, we were, we were kind of spoiled because we have great areas to dive here. And I was part of my job was to go out and test the equipment. Occasionally, it would take us to crazy cool places like Fiji. We have to go dive in Fiji, and and um, through that, my my kind of interest in photography got peaked, and also marine biology. Well, I got more and more interested in it. So I ended up leaving Light in Motion and working on a, a degree in marine science uh, for a number of years. And still doing photography during that time, and that that stint in science uh, made me realize that I'm I'm not a very good scientist. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like I like the field work, but I got really bored with all the you know 
grant proposals you got to write and all that stuff. That's how I feel about UX research. I, <laughs> when I do UX research, I'm like, I, it's cool, but I'm not. I can't, I can't be. I can't be too deep in user feedback every time. Totally. Yeah, I hear you. That's not my favorite part of the design process either. Um, so I was, yeah. So I was ran. You know, I was doing these kind of random things, and I started a with a friend of mine an underwater photography magazine, and um, that was my, sort of my first foray into print design and. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can, the, the magazine ran for about three years and you can see it's sort of embarrassing, but you could see like the progression of pretty poor typography in the beginning and got at least slightly mm-hmm. better over the course of it. So, um, I learned a few things from that one is, you know, just around entrepreneurship and starting a business and then, yeah, the, there's the kind of the creative direction and design side of things too. Um, and we had the, the misfortune of starting that magazine right around the time the economy was crashing. This was like 2008, wow. 2009. And, and also the print magazine, um, like advertising industry was crashing in the corresponding way. So it was, it's pretty tough to make any ad revenue at that point. Um, we ended up closing the magazine, but I still wanted to do, I wanted to do something that was entrepreneurial. I didn't want to just go back to, a, a, you know, regular day job and I was kind of looking around and I, I had been doing along with the magazine, some consulting and, and doing, you know, first website design and app design. And I thought, well, maybe I'll look up into this whole startup scene, you know, Silicon Valley. <laughs> I had kind of, you know, done my undergraduate that around the time of the first dot-com booms. So a lot of my, um, you know, cla- classmates at the time were heading off into these startups, most of which no longer exist at this point. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few of them, you know, made it big, like Google and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I, I was interested in that scene, but I really didn't know that much about it. And um, I ended up applying for this um, this this program called Runway, which was run by Eric Schmidt's venture capital firm, Innovation Endeavors. And the the cool thing about this, you you probably heard about Y Combinator or some of these other, yeah, yeah, you know, like very renowned, yeah, startup accelerators. This was, this was quite different. This was a they had very much a design focus, so the sort of founder of the program came out of the D school at Stanford and they were like, how can we use design to like attack startupy problems? So that was interesting. Another interesting thing was, you know, with Y Combinator, you got to come in with a team and probably, you know, really well-baked products. I, you know, if not, you know, not just a half-baked idea, what you're doing, <laughs> but traction, you know, essentially yeah. most likely to be able to get into the program. And um, for this program, it was like, come in with no idea, you know, mm. no partner, and we'll set you up with um, a team and, and some money to work on ideas. So I went through that application process, which was, to me, it was harder than getting to Stanford. <laughs> it was yeah. Like, it was <laughs> yeah, I was like yeah. <laughs> many months, and, uh, but I ended up getting in and, um, and finding a really good team. And um, actually my, one of my teammates, Tanique Gebru, I'm still friends with, um, you know, it was, was a great experience getting to know her and work with her. Wow. Um, and we, you know, we did the whole startup thing. We, we tried these different product ideas and I think what we, you know, we learned a few things. I mean, one of them is just that model is very difficult where you're working with people you don't know and you're coming in with no idea. And even if you're kind of using the design process to find, try to find something, it's probably not the right mechanism for, for starting a company. I think most successful companies are started with, you know, the, the, the founders have felt the pain personally or are very close to it or very knowledgeable about it and can create a product that at least in the beginning works really well for them. And then they start to, you know, scale it and grow it out to an audience that's much more big and diverse than they are as just a founding group. But uh, the idea of using design thinking to start a company, I think it's, it's challenging for sure. Yeah. Um, 
so I did that. And then that that's around the time too, that I started to think about, um, I, I'd known at that point that I, at some at some point I wanted to teach and I, I just loved the program I came through at Stanford and I wanted to figure out a way to help. So I started out as a coach in the capstone class at, at Stanford for product design. And then the head of the program, Bo Burnett next year asked me to come on as a lecturer. And so I've been doing that for the past seven years. I've been a lecturer for the, for the capstone class, which has been a really great experience. It's, um, it's a two quarter class where students come up with a product idea. Um, similar in some ways to the runway program I just I just mm. mentioned where you try to find a user group and a focus area and then you try to you know bring a product solution as close to market as you can some students actually a very small minority yeah. take that and and actually do a startup with it um, most just kind of end it with a class or or hand it off if it's a nonprofit thing but lots of really really fantastic interesting projects come out of that you know pro products for autistic young people this year wow. we had a team working on like a, a ventilator, a low, low cost ventilator project. And there's just, yeah, all sorts of really neat, neat things that, uh, that I get a chance to help the students out with. Um, so let me so ask I, you, you know, yeah, if, yeah. throughout your career, you know, mm -hmm. who, who two part question, you know, what drove your passion to get into teaching? Cause like, you know, you do a lot of it now, even through your work with Envision and also, you know, who have been some of those design leaders that have kind of, uh, Mold the way you think about design and the work that you do. Mm -hmm. um, I might start with the second question first, and then you might have to remind me about the, the first question. But as far as who I admire, like, um, so coming into this role, the design, well, was originally a design education role um, at Envision. I was hired by Aaron Walter, who was, you know, leading design at MailChimp before he joined Envision. And I actually didn't know much about him before kind of talking to him about this role, but he, for me, is like a very inspiring leader, um, both in kind of an external facing method, you know, uh, external facing way and the kind of content he produces and the, the things that he's involved in, but also internally, he's just a really fantastic um, manager and people leader. And so he's been a really huge inspiration to me. Um, other, other inspiring designers, I, I, you know, I was lucky enough as an undergrad, uh, to have David Kelly, the uh, founder of IDEO, wow. as my advisor. So the got, David Kelly. Yeah, the David <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> I got to know him a little bit then. And then since I started teaching, I was, you know, my office hours are outside his office. I bump into him and I've got a chance to interview him a few times or podcast and other things. And um, he's just always inspired me as a person who has hmm. taken this concept of design thinking, which didn't necessarily originate with him, but which he was able to popularize and and create kind of a movement around, which we now see, you know, permeates pretty much every, every industry. Um, so that's been inspiring. And then, um, Matt Kahn, who I mentioned before, just, um, just for being a great teacher, for mm. being a great critic and, um, just an inspiring person. Um, and I guess that would kind of lead into the teaching thing. I, you know, I, I would say early in my career, I didn't think too much about teaching, but it was sort of like, I didn't think about ways, how could I give back to the kind of community that helped me get to where I am and teaching seemed like one way to, to maybe accomplish that. Um, and, uh, again, I, like, I thought, well, I'll just prototype it first. Like, uh, <laughs> Bill Burnett has this, you know, wrote this book called designing your life and a new one called designing your work life and has this idea of bringing, bringing the design process to your career, which I think we'll probably talk about later. 
But yeah. there's this idea of prototyping, like how do you think of a, a small way to try something you think you might be interested in without like dive, like, like quitting your job and diving in full force. And so coaching was sort of a prototype for me. And I, I did like really, building a startup. I did, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and, and yeah, and I found it, you know, a few things. I mean, I, I definitely struggled a bit at first because um, I'm an introvert. It's a little hard for me to get up in front of a class and, and teach. But I think um, by pushing myself into some things that I fear, I, th I feel like I've, I've learned a lot and I was able to, I've been able over the years to get a little bit better at that, especially some coaching people like Bill. Um, but two, the, the thing that's most meaningful to me is the kind of one-on-one -on -one relationships with the students and helping them. And Bill and I and, and the other people we, I teach with, um, like Brett Williams, we, we all say at the end of the class, when we send the seniors off, you know, get office hours for life. And um, I definitely get taken up on that. I get to talk to a lot of my prior students and kind of help them sometimes when they get stuck. And that's, that's meaningful. You know, that's, that's like feeling like you're having an impact when you can mm. help people in that way. Yeah. And that's really, really powerful. And so I, I want to kind of talk to you a little bit more. Oh, let me show some love to the people who've been tuning in, in the comments. Hey, Jamila. Hey, Dana. Hey, Sabrina. Hey, Suresh, what's up, Punita? Hey, you all. Hey, Akila. You know, let us know if you have any thoughts or any questions for Eli in the comments. Let us know, and we'll definitely address them. You know, so with the, you know, I, I feel as if design is currently in the, this context where it's it's now back to the Bauhaus movement. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone's doing simplicity. Everyone's doing mm -hmm. like big, bold black letters, which is pretty mm -hmm. awesome. You mm -hmm. know, I want to ask you, where's design going? What's the future of design? Hmm. That's a good question. Well, starting with what you said about Bauhaus, I think that's interesting. Um, Matt Kahn, who I mentioned, very much came out of that school. And, and that was sort of part of his teaching curriculum, actually, was came out of the Bauhaus. Um, but where's it going? I mean, I mean, I think if, if anything, you know, recent events taught us that we really need to listen to people and then designers are are great at listening to people, I would say. Um, we would hope. <laughs> yeah, we'd hope, I would hope. Uh, you know, not self-promote our industry, but I, at least that's a skill that we claim to have. Um, and I think we could do even better. But, but I feel like if if we're really going to design products that um, address the needs of everybody, we need to be able to talk to all different types of people and understand all different types of people, understand their challenges. That seems like a huge opportunity for design, especially right now when there's, to some degree, you know. Recent events, um, obviously, there's a lot of tragedy, but in some ways, you could see if you want to have a silver lining, some opportunity there to to reset things, to think about: Are we really designing products the right way? Are mm -hmm. we talking to the people we need to talk to? And I think, um, yeah, I think, I think there is some job security in design going forward over the next you know, number of years because we do have the ability. I think we can even get better at it, and we can teach other people how to get better at it too. Yeah. So shout out to Edgar who's saying, checking in from ATL, the Atlanta. Thanks for the content again. So he's loving this content and a lot of things that you're saying. Eli. Oh, nice. <laughs> so shout out to that. So, you know, let's dive deep on designing your work life, right? Mm -hmm. You're a remote worker. You, act, you know, the Envision does actually does not have an office. <laughs> which is True. like super cool right and um i want you to actually plug in how can people get a remote job with envision because i'm sure there's people who are dying to work with you and the amazing envision um team but you know 
how how do you design your work life right as a designer who works remotely for one of probably the most successful design driven organizations in the world yeah thank you um yeah what's well, true envision um you know we're somewhere between seven and eight hundred employees now i think and when i started four years ago we we're about 200 so we've been growing pretty fast and since the beginning we've been remote and for me it's not a new thing i've been doing remote stuff for about 14 15 years now um and uh you know i think there are a lot of pros and, and cons to it you know to, to just to mm. be honest like i think for me i i, I feel like to some degree it's 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 easiest at different life stages so i would say in the very beginning of my career when i was just you know let loose from college i didn't have a bunch of friends in the area i worked in being remote would have been pretty challenging i, I think i could have done it but it would have been more challenging but now that i have sort of a more established circle of friends i have my family my kids being remote just has a huge set of advantages you know i spend more time with them uh there's much more flexibility that type of thing so um I would say there's pros and cons, but you know, given what's going on lately, we're just running this giant worldwide experiment, basically, where <laughs> many, you know, not not all, but many industries are are going fully remote and seeing that, wow, we really can do this. That this is an effective way of working and collaborating. And um, you know, I think um, as far as the design of your life, being remote really gives you a lot of more opportunities to do that, especially as it reflects your daily schedule, because. Mm. You know, assuming you're not just in meetings all day, which can happen, obviously, if you're a manager, you can get a, be a bit more tied down. But if you have some flexibility, you can. Um, uh, so let's I'm going to do a little designing your life example around my, my own particular lifestyle. So I'm a I'm a surfer. I love the ocean. And one of the reasons we moved back to this area was because it's very accessible. We're down in Carmel, Monterey area. And if I was in a traditional job, I probably, be, you know, stuck at the office all day. I couldn't get a surf in. But of, you know, time permitting and, and weather permitting, schedule permitting, I can do my work in the morning, get a surf at some point, come back, you know, mm. and not have it impact, it impacts my work, if anything, in a positive way. So I think um, thinking about, you know, how do I kind of arrange my daily schedule gets a lot easier if you if you are remote and, if, you know, assuming you're getting your shit done. <laughs> you're, sorry, I don't know if you're allowed to curse here. But, uh, really but, fine. <laughs> um, you know, and all that good stuff. But, um, but yeah, I, I guess at a, um, you know, zooming out and, and then kind of looking at designing your life as more of a career arc, mm. I would say, you know, some of it, some amount of it has been just sort of dumb luck and, and happenstance. But, but I, I have taken a prototyping mindset, I think, even though before I realized that to, to my work and to the things I did. So, and I've done a lot of different stuff uh, that I dove into in my earlier kind of bio, but some of it I didn't even mention, like I was a professional photographer for a while and, you know, I've done things that just kind of struck me as an area of interest. And I, I wondered, could I do that as a profession? And mm. I was able to kind of like try it out in a lightweight way and then, and then go into it more fully. Um, but, but yeah, but Bill's, Bill Burnett's book, I mentioned I teach with uh, designing your life is a great resource. And then he just came out with another book. I'm going to give him a plug here. Uh, ah, yeah. Your, designing your work life. We interviewed him yesterday about that. And, and um, the first book is sort of more for if you're at that stage where you're ready for a, like a big shift in your life, or you're thinking about, wow, I really need to um, explore a, a bunch of different possibilities. You're sort of like this big ideation point in your life. Mm -hmm. the, the second book, the designing your work life is, is a little bit more like, I'm at this job. I don't love this job, 
thinking about leaving or, you know, I, I just feeling stuck. And this, this will help you if you feel like, you know, you, you have financial obligations or otherwise where you can't just like mm. pack up and leave, but how do you make your work life where you are right now better? And if you have to quit, how do you go about doing that in a sensible way? So, so they're both really helpful, but, um, but yeah, I think design is, is a great tool for, for thinking about how you approach your life and career. Yeah. And I think what I love about even what you share about your situation is the flexibility working remotely gives you <laughs> and how it does apply depending on what stage in your career you're you're in. Right? And even for me right now, as we're, as we're building guide, you know, we're, we're a fully remote team. We do have engineers that we're working with in international areas. And my co-founder, he's actually living in Seattle. And, you know, one of the things as we grow, we're really intentional about, you know, we do still need some sense of a physical presence, especially for a design team. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it's it's cool designing through virtual screens, but it just you 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 miss the creativity, the creative spark, the, yeah. almost the empathy um, for sure. each other, even yeah. the critiques yeah. and the presence. And, yeah. you know, for even for me as a leader, it's like I miss that. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I like because it's, it's weird just always you. you you have, I think the the synergy of having people around that's a huge component to a, a, a great organization, and sure. I think some yeah. organizations have, have found a way to like find their own harmony. But I love the, I love the point that you said. It's really a matter of the flexibility because I think where we're going in terms of the the future of the workplace is that you're still going to have spaces. They're going to be more so huddle spaces, but like you can never take away the community component that comes to work. That's very true. I think. Um... You know, I, I was listing some of the disadvantages, but another one that, that you mentioned is just the empathy building of being together. And, you know, I think the one good thing Envision does is it gives us, at least in normal times, plenty of opportunities to get together on a regular basis in person, because I do think you need that. Um, there is maybe a little bit of a team stage to that, too, where if you're brand new to a team, you know, there's these frameworks. I can't remember who came up with it, but this idea of, like, forming storming and norming yeah you know, and then high performing i guess the last one <laughs> um that's a lot harder to do the forming and storming if you're all remote i think mm. probably once you're through those um you know once you've established norms being remote on a more regular basis might be easier but yeah those you do miss a lot um on the in-person and i this is just one observation too but I, I think there are certain personalities that work better in remote situations too. Mm -hmm. And I, I've noticed the, the personalities that struggle a little bit and then uh, that I've seen actually leave the company sooner are the ones that are a bit more abrasive. And um, I don't think that that's necessarily a, a bad trait to be maybe a little abrasive and, mm -hmm. you know, very um, off the cuff. And, and, but the thing is it's, it's tough when you're remote and you can't pick up on all those cues to know, you know, what is this person finding wrong with me or what, why, why are interactions so difficult? And I think it can make it hard to, you know, work really kind of synergistically with your colleagues. Um, so those are, you know, maybe some of the scenarios where it's better to at least start off in person until you really get to know each other. And then you say, Oh yeah, that's Bob. He's, that's just what the way he is. He's embracing it. So. Yeah, it's true. It's true to build that chemistry. So let me ask you, uh, Eli, you know, with, you know, you shared a little bit about how you got your start in design and, you know, just your amazing career path and how you you've had a lot of different roles. Um, you know, do you encourage people when it comes to the careers to early on try a lot of different things, mm. um, you know, similar to you, or is it more so, you know, 
if you feel as if you 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 want to be a master at one craft, go mm-hmm. for it. What are your thoughts on that? That's a great great question, and that's one that we kind of dove into with Bill yesterday. And um, I, I guess I'm a couple of different minds of it. One is like if you're the type of person that is just as many are just loves being challenged by new things and learning new things, you know, the kind of startup small company environment can be a great place to start out because you do get to wear a lot of different hats. Like you may be in name, you're the designer, but you're still involved in like early business decisions. You're still Mm -hmm. figuring out strategy. You may even be able to, you know, help on the engineering side. So um, I think that's great. But, but also what you said about mastery, I think, and this is one critique that Bill gently put out into the world around our kind of current generation or so of students is that they don't have a lot of patience to stick around and master something. They're like, okay, we've done this a couple of times. What's next? Let's move on to the next job. Let's move on to the next yeah. thing. And, um, and I say, that's actually how I feel like I am and how my career has been a lot of way over the years, but you might, you might be missing out on an opportunity to really master something. And, um, and that, you know, that, that could, that could be a missed opportunity. Um, especially because, um, you know, we, there's a, there's this Dan Pink book called drive where he examines like what makes us happy at work. And a big part of it, he, he boils down to these three things, mastery, autonomy, and purpose. So mm-hmm. to be happy, you have to feel like shout out to Daniel Pink and you yeah. check out drive. <laughs> you feel like you're, you're mastering something, like you're getting better at something. Uh, that you have some amount of autonomy, like your boss isn't constantly breathing down your neck and micromanaging you. And then there's a broader purpose behind your work that you're affecting change or affecting people in a positive way. And so if you're always hopping around on the next thing, it can be probably a little tougher to get into that mastery mm-hmm. frame of mind. So I'll throw that caveat out there, but I'm probably a really bad example of that because I've, I've have jumped around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. You know, I think, you know, one of the things I'm a, I keep on, I've coined this new term of like, focus on developing a W shaped skill set. Cause we tell people mm-hmm. to develop a T shaped skill set, which is mm-hmm. like, you know, go deep in one area and yep. then, you know, understand high level others. But actually I think what's, what's really going to be the future of work and really the way the mindset that's more important is that you being able to go deep in one area and then going back, going back up the top to see how it's all interconnected. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, you know, for a designer mastery is just a matter of like, how do you construct things that appeal, but solve a problem? Right. Mm-hmm. So for us, mm-hmm. like we're often, we've often done like we've we've had like probably multiple lives <laughs> in multiple roles because we know we're not great at one thing, but we understand that maybe each role plays a you know a specific uh solves the problem from a different vantage point, mm-hmm. a different perspective. So that's like what makes you amazing as a designer. And I think often, you know, you meet a lot of designers early in their career, product design, like they kind of struggle in saying, like, well, my great visual, my great interaction, can I do the entire thing? And it's like, you know, you're a great designer, be a great designer, but understand that like mastery for you is just you being able to understand and mm-hmm. understand where you can maybe add the most value. You know, you don't have to feel as if like you have to force yourself to be this like end to end tool chain. Yeah. No, I love that. I love the W shape personality. I think that's great. And um, yeah, as designers, we're, we're pretty fortunate in that our role is, um, it's pretty broad in, in a lot of ways, not, not for every kind of designer, every design role, but we do, you know, again, especially if we're a startup, we get to wear a lot of different hats and everything from a more um, 
kind of technical craft based perspective to understanding the user, talking to users. And, um, and then yeah, again, having some input on the kind of more strategic side of things. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So Eli, I would love to have you share. How can people get a job at Envision? How can they get a remote <laughs> job at Envision? What's the plug, man? Oh boy. Um, you know, I wish I could give you a secret, <laughs> a secret passcode to get in. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk about Envision specifically here, but this is a broader strategy that will work for you regardless of the company. Um, and this is again, something Bill mentions in his books. If you're interested in a specific company or industry, mm-hmm. um, the worst thing you could do really is just apply blindly to, to positions that are listed on their website because a, there are just, you know, likely to be hundreds or even thousands of applicants. It's going to be really hard to stand out. Um, it's just, it's just a really bad way to take that. Approach. And believe me, I've, I've tried it before myself at different points in my career. And it's, I've always been frustrated. Um, the thing you want to do is figure out a way to talk to people and have them just tell their story. Like what, what is working there? Like, what are their challenges? Just get to understand the company. Don't come in with the perspective that I, I'm going to get a job here necessarily, but mm. just understand like what is working there like. And, um, you know, oftentimes you might learn a few, few things. You might learn, you know, a that wow, I, I didn't know this about this company. Maybe this isn't a good fit for me. Maybe the culture, <laughs> you know, right? Um, so that yeah. you just you've just saved yourself, you know, whatever months of heartache if you had, did get up hired and hating it. Um, but also, like, just you know, um, you'll 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 build start to build connections that can help you, and it can also surface opportunities um, that that are aren't publicly available or aren't even really maybe even eternally available. So just a personal story on that front. Um, my last startup job before Envision, um, I, I was, uh, let's see, my, my daughter was, uh, I think four or five, somewhere around there. <laughs> and, and my son was just about to be born. So I was very excited. And, um, day after my son was born, I got an email saying, uh, hey, sorry to say this, but we're companies splitting up and we're having to lay off a bunch of people, including you. Wow. So I was like, whoa, I just had another kid and I don't have a job. That doesn't that doesn't feel too good. Um, but it ended up being actually a really great opportunity to step back. And first, I just took some time off and I was fortunate to be able to you know, draw from savings to do that um, and just spend time with my, my son and my family. I just think about like what I wanted to do next and, um, and give me some time to explore. And so I knew I wanted to do something remote because we were down in Monterey at the time. I didn't want to commute to Silicon Valley and I knew Envision was remote because I used the product a lot as a designer. Um, and so I was just kind of searching around LinkedIn for interesting people at Envision. And I saw Aaron Walter who had been hired not that much longer, who was heading up this team called design education. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, I have a design background, I have some education background, so I just, you know, pinged him on LinkedIn and say, hey, could you tell me more about what you're doing? And um, as I understand the story anyway, they kind of created a role for me there. And I was, wow. you know, we, we started kind of started this team together. So um, there are all these kind of latent opportunities out there in the world that, that aren't going to be listed on a job site. And you just need to start talking to people um, and realize that that's going to take some time. too. It's not going to be an immediate solve, but in the end, it will be a lot more effective than than uh you know, applying for those open roles. <laughs> Preach, Eli. Those are some tips. So shout out to Justin who's saying, excellent perspective, Tim. Focus on W skill set. 
on a W shaped skill set, you'll be able to go deep into area going back for design and masters about how you construct things. Oh, shout out to you. Thanks so much, Justin, for taking notes, brother. I appreciate you, man. And also check out Justin's awesome event that he's hosting. He is hosting. Justin, make sure to put it put it in the comments, man. You're hosting a huge conference that I am going to be a part of, which is going to be super cool. So make sure to share it so people can be a part of it. And it's a conference for creatives. So Dana is saying, how do you think, how do you find remote opportunities? Eli, do you have any suggestions on that? Uh, that's a good question. I think, I feel like that's really going to be changing. Uh, I would have I would have had a different answer a couple of months ago. I think right now there are so many organizations that have had to shift to remote potentially, and that many of those roles will stay remote is, is my guess. And that's what, you know, surveys are starting to say. So I think there's first, there's going to be a lot more of those types of opportunities out there. Second, I don't know. There used to be sites like remotework.co, I think, and a couple of number of other ones that really focused on, on remote positions. Um, I'm sure those would still be helpful, but again, I think there's there are so many now that will be shifting in that direction. So it's probably worth, you know, even if um, even if a position says that it's in person, if you're really interested in it, again, talk to people, find out if are, is that really true? Are there opportunities? Like how many of you are are remote right now? Because my guess is um, people companies are going to be a lot more open to remote work, given that you know we're we're still showing productivity we're still showing all the things that we need to show as and, and for the most part uh, in, in this mode of working and in fact some studies are showing that people are even more productive when they're able to work remote so so i think there're going to be more and more of those kinds of of roles open that's huge that's huge with that said eli you know what's next for the design better podcast um in, in the envision family what are you, what are some of the big things that you all have coming on the in the pike oh wow um yeah it's exciting so we're we, we up to this point had um, been having a, a seasonal approach. So we'd have about 10 episodes per season, some amount of bonus episodes in between, but we're going to be rolling over to a more kind of continual deployment. So more regular episodes. So that's going to be, there's going to be more and more guests and uh, we've got some really exciting ones. Um, don't tell anybody. Well, actually, I guess we're on, we're live here. <laughs> so we, did, we did have uh, Seth we're Godin, everybody. Seth Godin on the podcast, so he'll be coming out, which is I've been a, oh, that's gonna be huge, huge admirer of his work over the years. A um, couple other names that I can't say yet, but that are that are big names and exciting. So um, for me, it's it's cool because it's given the the you know the frequency of the guests that we're gonna have on. Um, we're gonna have to, and, and we've tried to do this in the past too, but zoom out from the specifically like design focused lens into like how do you know how do people collaborate how are they creative together um and oh, one, one other one on that front we just uh, interviewed the creators a couple of the creators of the apple series home which is about wow. these very interesting homes you know across the world so i think there's a lot that we in the design and technology can industries can take away from you know filmmakers and writers and other areas uh that maybe we haven't had a chance to reflect on as much so that's probably what i'm most excited about right now is let's talk to some people um as my as my my colleague Aaron says like stop our navel gazing so much let's talk to people who might have different ways of approaching this kind of creative work and, and learn from them i love it i love it with that said you know you all make sure to follow eli on linkedin where else can they follow you eli uh twitter i'm i'm at ewillery on twitter uh I don't post a ton of stuff, but I will post, you know, about our podcast and other 
kind of work work that we do. But yeah, feel free to hit me up there. For sure. Love it. Love it. What's your number one takeaway for our amazing guy community? Um, what's my number one takeaway? Let's see. Um, gosh, right now it's just just be kind to each other, love each mm-hmm. other. You know, I I don't know. It's not design specific, obviously, but <laughs> we need more of that right now. Talk to each other. Um, I love this. You know, I get to do a lot of what what you're doing, Tim, on kind of the opposite side of the mic, right? Interviewing people, and um, it's just such a lovely opportunity to connect and understand and a lot of the stereotypes you may have had about a person given where they come from or mm. where they live or what industry they're in oftentimes evaporate after you have a chance to really talk with them in an hour or so. And that's why I love podcasting in general, because it's a medium that goes beyond a little quick sound bites, but um, take the time to talk to people, take the time to talk to people that don't necessarily believe the same things you do too. Mm. So, um, so true. I said this message to, at uh, least we, we sent off our, class of 2020 at Stanford yesterday. I, I sent this little story to them too. My, my brothers and I have a Slack channel and that's pretty nerdy. I have three younger brothers, but we, <laughs> we have Slack and um, my, my youngest brothers are twins and they, they're very different political beliefs, hmm. um, but they're able to have, and, and maybe this is because they're twins, they're able to have a debate around ideas and occasional little personal attacks come in, but they come back in the day, they come back to each other. They obviously love each other. And, um, I think we need more of that. We need more of people being able to talk to people that are on a different side of the political spectrum that we are with respect, respect mm. them as a person. If you have to attack something, attack their idea, don't attack them. And I think my hope is that people that have that attitude will, will help kind of heal and bring our country together more. Mm, powerful. Thank you so much, Eli, for, for coming on to the show and you know just sharing a powerful message in your story. And more importantly, we need to have you on for a future episode. All right. I'd be happy to come <laughs> back. Um, love the work you're doing, Tim. And thanks, thanks for having me on. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. With that said, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide podcast. I want to make a few quick shout outs. If you're interested in being a part of Guide's early beta program, check out guideapp.co. We're going to be launching less than T minus two weeks. And we're really excited to have a few awesome creators take part in our amazing bite-sized skills training platform. You will be a part of an exclusive bunch. So definitely check out guideapp.co if you want to take part in our beta program for guide. With that said, thank y'all so much, Justin, Dana, and everyone else, Akila, Ronald, who tuned in and, and watched this episode. If you love this episode and you feel as if someone in your network would appreciate and love it, definitely share it out. Tag your friends, tag Eli, tag me, and we'll make sure to boost your post it and share it with our networks. With that said, you all, similar to what Eli said, be kind to each other, be well, be great, and peace, love, and talk to you soon. Oh, oh, talk to you soon. <laughs>